Amen. So today we have a, uh, I am not preaching today, we have a special guest preaching, comes all the way from Hope. I asked Leah to come and, and preach today. And, and the reason I wanted her to preach is because obviously it's Mother's Day, so happy Mother's Day. There, there's something about, I think, that there comes a time where, where women need to hear from a woman, right, and just go, man, so there's a piece of this today that is from the mother's heart to the mothers that are here. In my opinion, Leah, I've never told her this, so it may surprise you, but, but in my opinion, in my 38 years of living, this is one of the best moms I've ever seen, and I, I mean that. So, um, four, four wonderful kids. She's so good, she gets a better podium. Look at this. I mean, there are two. She gets two. That's how anointed she is. She gets, that's double portion right there. Anyway, so, so Leah's going to come, but I also want to say this to, to us fellas that are here today. Uh, please don't think on a day like this that something's not for us too. Amen? So, so listen, open your hearts up wide and go, Jesus, what do you want to say to me today? Because the truth is, is you know, if you've ever been a speaker, you, you know you're just the messenger, right? Yes? So, so listen, uh, obviously you're here uh, on purpose today. Uh, God brought you here and God wants to tell you something. Amen? Awesome. So, like he said, today is Mother's Day, and we definitely, at the end, Pastor Quentin and Jen actually are going to honor the moms that are here. But one thing I'd like to start out with, too, is that there are moms that are here that, obviously, this day is set aside to do that. Um, But we also have a lot of women here who aren't mothers for whatever reasons. But I think that I just want right up front, and I know that they'll share some of this, but right up front... To know that you are just as valuable as a mom. As a woman, you are valuable. There are many things that some of you have gone through. Losses through miscarriage. Possibly abortions. Losses through maybe the death of a child. Maybe some of you, this isn't always the happiest day for some women. may have lost your mom through death and you're grieving. But we just want you to know that this day, you are valuable too. Because we honor moms doesn't mean that we less honor who you are as a woman. So I just want you to know that. And as I share this morning, like Pastor Quentin said, this is also for every one of us here. The principles of the word and the scripture and the things that are here, they apply to every one of us. The amazing thing about the word of God and about God is he transcends gender, race, age. He reaches us all. So we do believe and I trust that the Holy Spirit knows every one of your hearts. And he knows how to take a piece of what I say or maybe all of what is said because it comes from his heart and will speak to you and empower you to be who you are created and destined to be. So just a little bit of an introduction of who I am. For those of you who may not know, I am a mom, as Pastor Quentin said, of four awesome kids and actually one extra kid for this past two years, Noah. We have Christy, Josiah, Micah, and Austin, and we have Noah. (laughs) But yeah, I have four awesome kids and a daughter-in-law, an amazing daughter-in-law. And I am the wife of one amazing, handsome man of 29 years, Brian. (laughs) And uh, I am the grandmother, or Lolly is what he calls me, of the most amazing, cutest little boy on the planet. No matter what anybody else says, that's who he is, Malachi. I was raised in a Christian home in a pastor's... Well, my dad became a pastor um, when I was about 9 or 10. 
uh, God called my parents to West Virginia to plant a church. And uh, so I was a true, I really was a true West Virginia hillbilly. I really was a farm girl. But I was raised by Christian parents who followed the heart of God. And they loved Jesus with all of their heart. They loved people. And they taught me that by their example. And then we moved, when I graduated from high school, we moved back to Maryland. And my dad and mom planted another church. So I grew up in that kind of environment. Um, I have one younger sister named Rachel. So yes, we are Leah and Rachel, and there's no Jacob that either one of us married. (laughs) So I grew up in that blessed environment, and maybe sort of a bubble sometimes. But there have been times in my life when I have not chosen to do the right thing. And I've definitely had my share of, yeah, not doing the right thing, even when I knew better. So as I share today, as I give what the Word of God has put, what God has put into my heart, I just want you to know and understand that some of the things that I share will look like, oh my gosh, what an amazing person, what an amazing family. But there are parts of this journey that has not been so amazing, and I have not always reacted and responded the right way. So I want to share some of those pieces, too, of what it looks like to live like you trust. A few months ago... Um, My husband has preached a couple times and shared some of our story, even in the last few years. But a few months ago, he called me. He said, you have to listen to this song. It's called Live Like You're Loved. And it's by Hawk Nelson. It's an amazing song. It just talks about live your life like God loves you. Know that deep inside. And so when I was preparing for this message, there's a scripture that's been in my heart since I've been nine years old, really. And I'll share that in a minute. But what came to my heart was... What God's been speaking to me in the last few weeks was live like you trust. Do you really live like you trust? You say you trust me, but do you, does your life actually show that? No matter how old you are, does your life actually show that you live like you trust? So when I was around nine, we moved, as I said, from Maryland to West Virginia to plant a church. But before we moved, my dad was a youth leader in the church that we were in. And they used to have youth on Friday nights, and they would have the youth do things, preach, sing, all that. I was nine years old, and my dad said, hey, would you share something tonight? So so I shared. I had this little red Bible. Never forget it. I shared from Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Here's what I did that night. Now, I'm going to be reading from the Amplified Bible today. On the screen is going to be the NIV version, so it won't match up exactly. But I love the Amplified because it brings out so much more to the words. So here's what I said that night. Lean on, trust in, and be confident in the Lord with all your heart and mind. And do not rely on your own insight or understanding. In all your ways, know, recognize, and acknowledge him. And he will direct and make straight and plain your paths. So I got done reading, and I said, so that means that we are to trust in God with all our heart, and we shouldn't try to figure it out and lean on our own understanding, but in everything we do, we should look to Jesus and have him first, and he will direct our path. That was my sermon. I read the scripture, and then I said the scripture. (laughs) That was it. But at that young age, there was something about that scripture That never left my heart. It actually 
is my life verse if we have a life verse. It's one of those verses that throughout my whole life, even when I made some very unwise choices and I stepped away from God's heart for me and I stepped out of his will and I disobeyed his word, even then, this scripture, his word was alive to me. If you trust me, if you lean on me, if you acknowledge me, I will direct your path. And so a few months ago, Because the word of God never gets old. A few months ago, God highlighted this verse to me again. But this time with the verse, he began to gently get my attention. Actually, I don't think it was so gently because he really spoke some things to me when he said this. Here's what he said to me. Here's what he said to my heart. And when I say God said to me, I didn't hear his audible voice. But inside of my heart, I felt him nudging me and like these whispers inside of, you know, sometimes we think, oh, that's just myself talking to myself. We've got to learn to know that when we have a relationship with God the Father and we speak to him in prayer and he speaks to us and we read his word, that we hear the voice of God. Pastor Quentin preached a few weeks ago, hearing the voice of God. And knowing that gentle nudge, that heart of yours that kind of sits up and takes notice when you hear something inside of your heart. And he said to me, Leah, you have definitely trusted me with all your heart. I'm over 50 now, so it's been a while. And he said, you definitely have trusted me with all your heart. And you have come such a long way in not leaning on your own understanding. And you've also definitely acknowledged me in everything you've done. So why don't you believe the last part of this verse? And I was like, what? What do you mean? You, you know, I do, I do. You direct my path or whatever. And he's like, why don't you believe the last part of this verse? Because that's my promise to you. You trust, you acknowledge, you lean, and I will direct. And you've done those first three well. But you don't really think I'm going to direct your path all the time. And I was like, how, how could that even be? He said, if you would do those things, then I would direct your path. But every time something doesn't go the way that you thought it should or would, you seem to fret. You find yourself in a not-so-ideal situation and you worry. Or you begin to cry. Or you begin to complain. Or you begin to question whether you heard me. Or question yourself. And what did I do wrong? You know, Wait, maybe, maybe I didn't hear from God. You know, I trusted him, I leaned on him, but maybe I didn't because I found myself in a place that, well, he wouldn't have led me here, so therefore I must have missed God. I don't. And he said, that's like a slap in my face. Because if you truly trust me with all of your heart, and you truly lean on me, and you truly acknowledge me in everything you do, then I will direct your path. And where you are right now, if you really think, knowing that you, love me, then where you are right now is where I have you. And it may not be ideal. It may not be what was in your head. I was telling some of the musicians this morning, a lot of times, you know, when we're playing and preparing, we have it in our head and we practice and we prepare and we have this image in our head and usually it never comes out the way that it's in our head. You know why? At least for me. Because I'm a thinker, I'm an analytical person, so I can figure everything out in my head, how every plan should go, what it should look like when we get there, when, when this happens. And you know why it doesn't? Because in my head, nobody else is involved. It's just me. <laughs> and, I don't, and so we get around the people that God has placed us with and has us doing life together with, and 
And it's not always the people's fault. I'm not saying that. But there's just things about it. We just figure it out. And, and then we get in the place and we're like, no, this must not be you. And he said, that's like a slap in my face. Do you really trust that I have directed your path no matter where you are? He said, you're not living like it. You're not living like you really trust me. Do you really trust that where I have you, where you are, whatever is going on in your life, that I have it and I am in control of it? So that's our question today. Are you living like you trust? Do you really believe that God, where he's directing you, where he has you, what's going on in your life, in your circumstances, in your situation, no matter how old you are, do you believe that God is directing your path. Have you trusted in him? Have you leaned on not, not on your own understanding but on his? Have you acknowledged him in every part of your life? Then he's going to direct your path. What is the definition of trust? The assured reliance on or the firm belief in the character, the ability, the strength, or the truth of someone or something. There's a song that says, I can't remember the name of it, but it says, I have this hope in the depths of my soul, in the flood or the fight, that you are with me and you won't let go. The firm belief in the character, the ability, the strength, the truth of someone or something. We trust in our God. So I began to think, what does it really look like to live like I trust then? What, what would that look like? That's an important question for me. Most of my life, if somebody says something, I'm like, okay, so I, get, I hear it, but what does it look like? What, how do I actually do that? What does it actually mean for me? I know how to do it here in church because here in church is a good place. We have all the music going. We have all this stuff going. We hear the word, and we're all surrounded. But then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, those days when we're out back out in the path that God has us placed in, what does it look like for me to really trust, especially when there are unknowns? And uncertainties that are facing me. Or when what I actually do see is opposite of what I thought was going to be. Or opposite of what I know God's nature to be. So I see this. And I'm praying this. And I'm believing this. But it seems opposite of what your nature is. You said you're a healer. But that person that I believed for died. So how do I trust? What does trust really look like in that? Because that's not your nature, but that happened. For me, how do I really trust? When I pray for my child, young or old, for healing for them, for freedom, for salvation, and everything opposite seems to happen. And you're praying and you have this good prayer time. This is what God's word said. And I believe, I believe God said he's doing this with my child and this is happening. And the next day you get a phone call and everything opposite just happened of what you prayed. You prayed for peace and there was chaos. You prayed for this and there was, and you're like, and so I've been there, and I've many times, sometimes I have crumbled. Yeah, who are you? <laughs> really? Really? So what does that mean then when I prayed that the day before? I mean, these are, this is very honest things that, conversations that I've said. I'm like, so what does that mean? Because that's what you said to pray, and it came into agreement with your word. And so why did that not break every chain? That's what you said. That's what I came into agreement with. How do I trust now when that chain didn't break? It actually got tighter. How do I trust you now? What does that look like? Because I trust you with all my heart. I lean out on my understanding. I acknowledge you in all my path and all my, and all my ways. And you said you'd direct my path. And you said you would do this. 
how do I live like I trust you? Because many times I'd get into my hole and I would get depressed and I would get just sad and sorrow and grieving. And there are times for that. It's not that we can't feel those things. But too many times I chose to live in those places of grief, not pass through them. God says he's healer. He says he's freedom. He says he is mighty to save. He says he will never leave us or forsake us. Psalm 9:10 says this. And they who know your name, who have experience and acquaintance with your mercy, will lean on and confidently put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you on the authority of your word and the right of their necessity. You have not forsaken them. Those who know your name, they will trust in you. You have not forsaken them. So what I began to do to figure out what does it look like for me to trust? First, I began to position my mind to take the scriptures, to take the word, to take the promises that he'd given me and speak them. Even in my low time, it might have been a few days later, but I'm like, wait, okay, no, wait. This is what you said. This is who you are. I know your name. You have not forsaken me. By the authority of your word, you have this power. So I would position my mind to begin to take in the word of God, to hear the word of God, to put it into my heart. Like the the word says in Psalm 105, he's a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. That is what your word is. So God, it's really dark right now. So I'm thanking you that right now in my very present, you're the lamp unto my feet, but you're also a light unto my path because you know the end from the beginning. You know where I'm going. You know where this is happening. So I'm thanking you that you're lighting up that, but you're also putting a lamp right in front of me because right now I can only do one step at a time. I can't even think ahead. It doesn't even look like there's any hope. So I've got to have hope for right now and right now. So your word is a lamp unto my feet. So I begin to position my mind, but I also went a step further to position my heart, my whole being to fully surrender and say, I trust you for you, not the answer. Because a lot of times for me, when I would get disappointed or I would get down or I would get in those spots or I would get angry. I have gotten angry at God. I've gotten angry at the situation. I've gotten angry at the people I'm praying for. I've gotten angry at myself. I've gotten angry. I've gotten sad. I've gotten sorrowful. Many times it was because I was trusting him because I wanted this to happen. But I wasn't trusting him because I wanted him. I just wanted something to happen. It didn't fully, wasn't fully, my heart wasn't fully surrendered that I trust you for you. No matter if this happens or not, I trust you for you. So I positioned my heart, not for the answer, but for him. And when I did that, the first, when I was starting to do that, that felt like I didn't have any faith. Like when I began to process like that, I was saying, whatever will be, will be. I just trust you. But that's not what that was. It was not sure. Whatever will be, will be. I just I opt out of anything that I need to do and all responsibility, and I just trust you. That's not what that was. It was saying, I truly know that he, God our Father, he truly longs for a relationship that says, I love you for you. He wants that to come from us. I love you for you. Like we sang this morning, Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we adore you. He truly longs for that, not for what he doesn't want us to love him for what he can do for us. And we all know that. Do we want people to love us? Do we want to love people for what they can do for us? 
No, it doesn't feel good after a while. I love you just because you can do this for me. No, I love you because I love you for who you are. And I will trust you. I will love you, God, even if this does not happen. And I will trust you and I will follow you because of who you are. I will not just trust you for everything in my life, but I will also go a step further and trust you with everything in my life. I'm not just trusting you for something to happen, but I'm trusting you with the things that I have, with my life, with everything. So if we turn to 1 Samuel, I want to read 1 Samuel 1 and then parts of 1 Samuel 2. This is the story of Hannah and Samuel and her husband and the birth of Samuel. So again, I, I know this could be a little, you might need to close your eyes and just listen if you have a hard time multitasking. Someone else is saying other words than what up there. I'm going to read from the Amplified. There was a certain man of Ramathame Zophim of the hill country of Ephraim. The key word there is there was a certain man. God's strategy was not just any man. He had a certain man chosen. His name was Elkanah, and Elkanah was a Levite. That's pretty important to know as you go into this story. He was a Levite, the priest of the tribe of, of the Levites. He was the son of Jeroam, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, and an Ephraimite. He had two wives, one named Hannah and the other named Peninnah. Panina had children, but Hannah had none. So this man went from his city year by year, every year, to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts. There, the Lord of hosts is denoting, it's, it's a, the term for the Lord of the angel armies. In other words, the mighty God, the one that Pastor Quentin talked about this morning in prayer. We prayed the mighty, the powerful God. This is the God that they went to worship, this mighty Lord of the host, Lord of the angel armies at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas the two sons of Eli were the Lord's priest. When the day came that Elkanah sacrificed, he would give to Peninnah, his wife, and all her sons and daughters portions of the sacrificial meat. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved Hannah. But the Lord had given her no children. Can we trust God there? Could she trust God there when he had given her no children? Now, especially back in those days, that was an important piece Children were an important piece for women to have children. If they didn't have children, they were scorned, and they were mocked, and they were devalued. That's why I said that in the beginning. That's not who we are. Can she trust God? But you see, God had a purpose there bigger than hers. So this embarrassed and grieved Hannah because she had no children. And her rival provoked her greatly to vex her because the Lord had left her childless. Can I still trust here? Because maybe I was childless. But he seems to have left me that way year after year after year. I have this sickness and I don't seem to be healed month after month. I have this going on in my financial world and it seems like week after week after week, nothing changes. Can I still trust God here? Do I still trust him with all of this? So Hannah was left childless. So it was year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the Lord's house, Panina provoked her. So she wept and did not eat. So do not marry two wives because this is always what would happen. <laughs> Should have known. <laughs> Who could think they could have two wives or more and be happy home? <laughs> anyway, so Panina provoked her. She wept and did not eat. 
Elkanah, her husband, said, Hannah, why do you cry? And why do you not eat? And why are you grieving? Am I not more to you than ten sons? Because he truly loved her very much. So right here, it says, so Hannah rose after they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh. She got up, she went to eat. She decided right here, I feel, in my opinion, as I'm reading this, that this was her journey of really trusting God. This is where it started. Because she rose up, she heard what he said, like, Hannah, please come eat. I love you. Please come eat. She rose up. She decided in her head not to be the victim anymore. Not to allow a victim mentality. It doesn't mean she still wasn't sad. It doesn't mean she still didn't have feelings and emotions that went with that. But she decided not to let those emotions dictate what she was going to do and have her sit there in that spot. She decided to rise up. You know what? I'm going to go sit with my husband and the other woman, and I'm going to eat. And I'm going to do this. And I'm going to make a decision right now. I'm not going to stay there. I'm going to trust I don't know what I'm trusting, but I'm just going to trust. And I'm going to make a decision not to be the victim and stay in that place anymore. This is what I'm going to do. So she rose up. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on his seat beside a post at the temple of the Lord. And Hannah was in distress of soul, praying to the Lord and weeping bitterly. She vowed, saying, so she's standing there now at the altar, praying, O Lord of hosts, she also... Lord of hosts, Lord God of the angel armies, Lord God, my protector. She declared who he was in the midst of her grief. Okay, Lord of hosts, angel army, my protector, because you see what's coming at me. You are my protector. Although it didn't feel like it, right? Because Panina, they lived together. She was always provoking and vexing her. So in the midst of feeling like I'm not being protected, you are my protector. I trust that. She vowed saying this. O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your handmaiden and earnestly remember and not forget your handmaid, but will give me a son, I will give him to the Lord all of his life. Key right there. I will give him to the Lord all his life. No razor shall touch his head. She began to take a Nazarite vow vow there too for her future child or future son. She began to trust God right here for something. I'm trusting you for a son. I'm putting this on you, my protector. And as she continued praying before the Lord, Eli noticed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. So Eli thought she was drunk. He's looking at her and he says, how long are you going to be intoxicated, woman? Put wine away from you. You need to move on out. You see, in those days, his two sons were priests there, but they were not godly priests. And so in that time, a lot of women were coming in and out of that church, and it wasn't just to pray. And they came in there, and they would come in drunk. And so he's like, here we go, another one. How long are you going to do this? You need to move on out. She answered him, though, and she said, no, my Lord. I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I was pouring out my soul before the Lord. She was pouring out her pain instead of keeping it in. I've done both. I poured it out and I've kept it in. Never good to keep your pain in. She was pouring it out. Regard not your handmaid as a wicked woman, for out of my great complaint and bitter provocation, I've been speaking. My unhappiness and my pain is, in other words, what she's saying is what kept me here so long. And I just don't even have the words to say. Have you ever been in that place? Moms with your kids, 
Husbands, men, women, have you ever been in that place, young people, where you just, you're in a place, and he said it this morning, where you're in a, you have no control over any of it, and you just don't know what to say. It's like you, you feel stuck, you feel trapped, and no words can even come out. That's where she was. Her mouth is just moving, but her heart is just crying out. Then Eli said, so she said, out of my great complaint and bitter provocation, I've been speaking. Then Eli said, go in peace. And may the God of Israel grant your petition, which you have asked of him. Hannah said, let your handmaid find grace in your sight. Thank you for blessing me. Pray for me, is what she said to the priest. So she went her way and ate. Her countenance was no longer sad. She came into agreement. She believed. She twisted, trusted, (laughs) trusted his word. Sometimes we twist his word. That is so true. I've done it. Twist it to make it fit what I wanted to fit. She trusted his word. She came into agreement. She believed when he said, go in peace. May God grant it to you. Did she see it? Was she pregnant? No. But all of a sudden she just said, Oop, that's mine. I'm trusting God for that. That's mine. I'm trusting him for that. And I'm going to get up. Her countenance was no longer sad. It totally changed because she came into agreement with his word believed it and trusted it proverbs sixteen three. it says roll your works upon the lord commit trust them wholly to him here's what she did he will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to his will and so shall your plans be established and succeed she had been there she had rolled her works on the lord she had committed and trusted them wholly to him and all of a sudden the word of god that was spoken out of the priest's mouth Caused her thoughts to become agreeable to his will, knowing that, you know what, that plan is going to succeed and be established. I come into agreement with that. You've turned that on me. I trust you. So you've given that to me. And I will rise up and I will act like, and I will live like I trust your word. So she got up. The family rose early the next morning. They worshiped before the Lord. And they returned to their home in Ramah. Elkanah knew his wife. And the Lord remembered her. So she not only had to come in agreement in her mind, but she had to take some action in order to get pregnant. They went home and they made a baby. And so because she, see, many times we think we have to just come in agreement in our mind. But there are times when God is calling us to an action, to a preparation. So I've said this to you. This is my promise I've given. This is what my word says. So now what are you going to do to prepare for that? There is a responsibility that we partner with God. We come into agreement with his word. And there are times when he says, now you take that action. You do. You do something that shows you're living like you trust me. That's what they did. She went home. The Lord remembered her. Hannah became pregnant and in due time bore a son and named him Samuel, which means I've asked him of the Lord. I've, God's heard me. She said, I have asked him of the Lord. And Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice year after year and pay his vow. But Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, I will not go until the child is weaned. And then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and remain there as long as he lives. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, do what seems best to you. He heard her heart. He trusted her heart. that You know what's best. Wait until you've weaned him. Only may the Lord establish his word. So Hannah remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. So from those two verses right there, 
She knew in her heart that she needed to nurture the promise that God had given to her. It wasn't time to go ahead and go out and just release it. There was a time when God said, this is what I'm giving you. This is the word I'm giving you. You're still in your spot, but this is the word I'm giving you. She knew now she had believed and trusted God for this promise. He had given it to her. Now she needed to nurture the promise, to steward it well, to guard it. But it was out of her devotion and worship to God that she did this, not out of worship of the promise that was given. It was because in her heart she knew what she had said to God, what she would do, and now I'm going to trust God. She had trusted God for this promise, yet she never forgot that this promise always belonged to God. It was always his. She knew there was a purpose bigger than hers. Remember back when he, she felt left childless. She, God had given her no children. There was a bigger purpose that God had. But there's sometimes a place we walk through that we need to walk through to deepen that trust. So when that promise comes, we know how to handle what he's given to us. Because if we don't walk through certain things in our life, then we don't know how to handle when God does bring that blessing and that promise and that thing that he's given to us. This is where we live in the reality of how will I trust God with this? Will I keep this promise so close and so tight to me that I begin to value this promise more than the one who gave it? Will I look so far down the road that I miss opportunities right in front of me with my promise? Will I be looking so far that I'm trying to live like I trust, but what I do is I look so far down the road and I think, oh, my kids... This is what's going to happen. All of this, and we get ourselves in this big turmoil because of what we think would happen because of what they might be doing right now. And so we're seeing out here, and there's opportunities that come that we miss. Kind of like when I was on uh, Route 1 in Thomaston the other day. Anybody go drive through Thomaston and love Thomaston traffic, right? Hey. So I'm driving in, and I've got to turn into the school to pick up my son. And I'm driving, and I'm like, you know, and I always ask, I don't know why I ask this question out loud because none of the other cars can hear me. I'm like, what do you, why, why are you all out here? What are you doing? You know, why is everybody out here at the same time I am? And so coming this way is a huge line of traffic. So I have to sit and wait to make my turn. Huge line. And I'm looking so far down the road and I'm like, oh my gosh, I am never going to get in here. I could go further down the road, but then I'm going to be stopped. Maybe I could turn around and go this way and come back this way. All these things in my head. So while I'm thinking that and I'm looking at all this traffic, this big gap is right there. And I was like, oh my gosh, I just missed my big gap. I just missed the time to turn because I'm looking and so upset because all these people are on the road. And it's like God spoke to me and said, that's what you do sometimes. You look so far down the road. And with your own kids, and you do this, and you see this, and you're thinking, oh, this isn't, and all of a sudden, I have an opportunity for you and your kids right here. Take it. And I missed it. He gave me another one, though. I was paying attention that time. (laughs) I took that turn, squealed right in front of the other car, and made it. (laughs) But so many times, we just look so far down the road, and we think, and so we hold the promise tight. No, I can't trust God with my kids on this. I can't trust God with this situation or this job or this spouse or this whatever friend or this whatever it is. I'm going to hold this promise tight. Or will I prepare myself and my promise and use it well for when the time comes to release it so it can bring glory to God? So while I'm in this journey with kids or job or whatever circumstance, will I know deep down that my trust is in you? Can I actually sing from the depths of me 
tis so sweet to trust in Jesus? How many of you know that song? It's an old hymn. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise just to know thus says the lord jesus jesus how i trust him how i've proved him o'er and o'er jesus jesus precious jesus Oh, for grace to trust him more. So many times in my life throughout my years, um, I grew up in an old Pentecostal church. So we sang all the hymns, all the old hymns. And through these years, that song comes back in my heart. Can I really sing it from my depths of who I am? Jesus, I will trust you. So back to verse 24 in chapter 1. When she had weaned him, she took with him, with her with a three-year-old bull and ephah of flour and a skin bottle of wine to pour over the burnt offering and brought Samuel to the Lord's house in Shiloh. The child was growing. They slew the bull and brought the child to Eli. And Hannah said, Oh, my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you three, four years ago. They weaned him to the, about three and four. Somebody said nine or ten. That's a long time. But anyway, <laughs> somewhere around between three and nine, she brought him there. I'm the woman who stood here before you praying all those years ago. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted my petition made to you. Therefore, I have given him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he's given to the Lord. And they worshiped the Lord there. They trusted God as they released the promise to him. They trusted him. She trusted God now, not only for Samuel, but with Samuel. I trust you now with my son. I really trust you with my son. I trust you with my job. I trust you with my finances. I trust you with my spouse, my marriage. I trust you with my friendships. I trust you with my future. Where am I going to go to college? I trust you with this. So she trusted God with Samuel. And here's the really cool thing. Samuel, remember, Elkanah was a Levite. He was already dedicated as a Levite. Here she says, as long as he lives, I'm going to give him to you. I'm giving him to the Lord. I'm dedicating him as long as he lives. You see, the time of a Levite's special dedication only lasted really from the age of 30 to 50. When Levites were dedicated, there was between the 30 to 50-year age where that's when they were specially dedicated to the Lord. She went above and beyond that and said, as long as he lives. I'm not going to say for this amount of time. I'm going to do it as long as he lives. She took something that already belonged to God and gave it to him again in a greater way for his whole life. It would have been easy for her to say, I don't need to dedicate my child because he's already dedicated. I don't need to give this to you. He's already been born a Levite. But there was a deeper dedication to draw out of Hannah, a deeper trust. And she actually declared this when she started praying in the first part of chapter 1 for this promise. She actually declared it. So when she repeats it here again, as long as he lives, she repeated it. She actually shows the depth of trust she has and how that trust grew because of her heart being devoted to God first and not to the promise. She didn't just pray at the beginning to get what she wanted. Three, four years later, she's now praying it again. I truly trust you. You gave this to me 
And I truly trust you now with what you have given to me. Trusting with is a depth of trust that believes actually the fourth part of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. You will direct my path. That's God's promise. Trusting with is actually to me, it's a letting go. It's a releasing. It's the surrender, the ability to now sing, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust you, how I've proved you now from deep in here. But this time with a different mindset. This time I don't sing the words. I sing the heart. I trust you with this. Give me grace to trust you more. I'm trusting you with my children. I'm trusting you with my spouse, with my job, with my health, with my money. And I'm going to align my life to live like I trust you. I am going to let it go. Could Noah and Micah come up here a minute? I've got something I'm going to do with them. We're going to go back to Proverbs 16.3, actually. Trusting him with. This is how this scripture, Proverbs 16.3, this is how I live like I trust. This is how I learn to live like I trust. I take these words. And what did it say? It said, roll your works upon the Lord. Commit and trust them wholly to him. He will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to his will. And so shall your plans be established and succeed. I choose because so many times... I don't let it go. Noah, this is how we roll our works on the Lord so many times. We roll it. Oh, we bring it back. We roll it. I give this to you. I trust you with this. Yes, I do. I give this to you. I trust you with this. Yes, I do. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust you. How I proved you. And I keep proving you. And I keep proving you because I'm going to keep holding on to this. And I keep proving you. And then what happens is when you do it, when you have a yo-yo, I cannot do this yo-yo. I tried last night. This is a different kind of yo-yo. Noah's really good at it. I cannot do this. It's a sleeper or something. I have no idea what that means. Anyway, it won't come back. It's like, whatever. So, but the point is I wanted to do it so that I could hold it and show you and just drag it around with me because the yo-yo is stuck right here, right? So you keep it on. This is what, and I know that this particular verse, and Pastor Quentin one day will preach it because he's got the really great illustration that actually comes from the Word of God, from the history of it about a camel that kind of goes down and rolls its burden off. But I don't relate to a camel. I don't, I don't have a camel. So I do relate to this, though, because I have boys in my house that these soccer balls are all over my house. And, you know, don't kick a ball in the house. Well, it's not going to hurt anything. And I relate to that. So years ago, God really put this illustration in my head that sometimes when I commit something to God, when I say I trust him, this is how I trust him, with a little bit of a string attached because I'm not so sure that I can really trust you. I I get afraid there, especially when it comes to my kids because I want to take care of them. I want to make sure they're okay. So this is how I'm going to trust you. But actually, when we roll it, would you go ahead and roll that ball? Not going to come back. Don't you dare throw that ball back because we are not going to take it. (laughs) That's roll your works on the Lord. It's gone. Roll them out of here. No strings attached. Nothing like that. Thank you, guys. Awesome. Noah will do yo-yo tricks in the back as you leave. He has quite a few yo-yo tricks. But that's what we do. We let it go. There's a song out there by Lauren Daigle called Trust in You. In the past few months... This has been a song for my husband and I with some of the things that we have personally walked through, really learning. And this is how this came out of that was, are you going to live like you trust me when your finances aren't maybe what they were supposed to be or this wasn't happening? 
letting go of every single dream, I lay each one down at your feet. Every moment of my wandering never changes what you see. I try to win this war, I confess. My hands are weary, I need your rest. Mighty warrior, king of the fight, no matter what I face, you are by my side. So when you don't move the mountains, I need you to move. When you don't part the waters, I wish I could walk through. When you don't give the answers as I cry out to you, I will trust, I will trust, I will trust in you. Truth is, you know what tomorrow brings. There's not a day ahead you have not seen. So let all things be my life and breath. I want what you want, Lord, and nothing less. Because you are my strength. You are my comfort. Hear what I'm saying, okay? Hear what I'm saying beyond just your physical ears. Holy Spirit, give us spiritual ears right now to hear what you're saying. You God are my strength and my comfort. You are my steady hand. You are my firm foundation. You are the rock on which I stand. Your ways are always higher. Your plans are always good. There is not a place where I will go that you have not already stood. So I will trust. I will trust. I will trust in you. Beth Moore said this in her Esther study, the most critical breakthrough of faith that you and I could ever experience is to let God bring us to a place where we trust him, period. We don't just trust him to let us avoid the things we fear the most. We determine to trust him no matter what, even if our worst nightmare would befall us. I will be determined to trust you. Because I have to remember that God has a plan. All my efforts to predict or control the outcome do not change who God is. No matter where I go or what I do does not change what he sees and who he is and his will for my life. He just asked me to trust him, to trust his goodness and his desire for the best in my life. My thoughts then become agreeable with his and he will direct my path. The more we know who God really is, the less fearful we become about where our life is going, or the lives of those he's entrusted to us. Our daughter-in-law, and she has given me permission to share this. She actually shared it yesterday when she spoke. I didn't know she spoke at a women's thing yesterday. Our son and daughter-in-law, our our grandson, the most amazing little boy and cutest little boy on the planet, um, has, (laughs) just in case you forgot, um, he's almost three. So since the time he was born... They have gone through six miscarriages. Um, Some of them have been a little bit longer than others. There's a piece of that where definitely her and Josiah have had to walk through, what does it look like to trust you? And she gave parts of her story of especially the the fifth miscarriage that she actually went through a very hard time with that. But there's a piece of that that also, you know, the extended family has to walk through too. And so we have had to remember that God has a plan. That even if our worst nightmare, and even if I keep believing, and I keep believing, and I keep believing, and this time, and this time, and then you have that fear, and then you have all of those pieces, but how God takes those pieces, and and you say, feel like you've left me childless, but I will trust in you, that you are good no matter what I see or feel or hear or think, that you are a good God. You have a bigger purpose. You know the whole big picture that I don't see and I can't see. You have a plan, and I will trust you in that plan. Actually, I'm going to read really quickly a piece of what she sent to me last night that she had shared. When I was walking through my last miscarriage, number six, 
I remember being afraid to feel, to have fear. Like I can't have fear. Oh my gosh, I've got to not have fear. I've got to not have anger. I've got to not have sadness. I've got to have faith. That's what I have to have. How much word power I had applied and, and Josiah too. How much superhuman faith power I had. This is what I had to stand on. But I realized that was putting it all on me. Then I had to do it all. I had to have this faith. I had to have this power. I had to have this. It would be my doing then. I had taken God out of it because it's all dependent on me. I must not be doing this right. I must not be praying right. Something set me free, though. Ephesians 6.10. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Ephesians 6.10 in the Amplified says, Be empowered by your union with him. You see, the key bottom line of this, the key thing, is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Letting it be real, letting it be fresh, letting it be every day, that no matter what I go through, I am empowered by my union with you, with who you are, and I will be strong in your mighty power. This is who I'm going to be strong in. There's nothing wrong with my faith. Although the enemy will tell you there's something wrong with your faith. The real test of your faith is continuing to believe when you don't receive what you have believed for in the time that you want it or in the way you want it. Faith is real faith is messy faith. The faith that says through fear and questioning, throw me into the fire because if he rescues me, he's good. And even if I die, he is still good. I will praise you in my healing and I'll praise you in my pain. I'll praise you in the midst of everything that I go through. I will praise you. Because the more I know who you are, the less fearful I have to be about what may happen. Because I trust that you're good and you know your plans and purposes for me. And you will carry me through every part of my life. So I position my mind to know your word. I position my heart to surrender to your word, not just know it. And so we position ourselves in all of these situations. We have to continue to trust him. John sixteen thirty three. Let me read that real quick. This is an amazing verse that just came into my heart this morning. John 16, 33. I have told you, this is Jesus speaking. Now, this is the last, right before he's going to die. These are things he shared with his disciples. I have told you these things so that in me, you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world, you will have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration. This is the final words. This is what you're going to have. But be of good cheer. Take courage. Be confident. Be certain. Be undaunted. Because I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you. And I have conquered the world for you. So what does it look like to trust? For me, it looks like taking that scripture. And it looks like, yep, this stuff is coming. This stuff will be. But I Know that he has overcome and he has taken away the power of it to harm me and to steal from me. If I keep, what's it say in Isaiah 26, 3? If we keep our mind on him, it will keep us in perfect peace. So my peace is in you. My heart is on you. My mind is fixed on you. My eyes are fixed on you. The Bible tells us through, all through the Bible, it talks about having our eyes fixed on him. Our gaze looking at him. I'm fixed on you. I will trust you. You are my stronghold. You are my refuge. You are my strength. I can run to you because you know me and I know you. So over in chapter 2 of 1 Samuel, verse 19, moreover, his mother made him a little robe and brought it to him year after year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. She still carried out who she was in his life. 
She still did her part in partnering with God with the promise that he had given her. She still did well to steward it well, partnering with God this provision. She would see Samuel and continue to trust God with Samuel. We continue, no matter how old our kids get, to trust God. No matter if they're listening to him or not, if they're away from him or not, we continue to trust that he is a redeeming God and a restoring God. He is mighty to save. We continue to trust what God was doing. She continued to trust what God was doing in in his life, even if the opposite is what's seen in your own kids' lives. I encourage you, moms and dads too, and all of us to speak to one another, but to for speaking to your kids as he does, as God sees them. I encourage you to partner with God in seeing your kids as he sees them and calling it out of them. You know, a few years ago, because I know my weakness, I know my disappointments that can easily come and what triggers them. And so a few years ago, I was like, Mother's Day. You know, my kids are a little bit older, so what are they going to do? Probably nothing. So, (laughs) you know... And I'm not speaking bad about my kids. My kids also know. They're, they're sitting back there going, yeah, probably nothing. Um, <laughs> but I read something, and it really clicked in my heart. Because I know my weakness is to get my expectation. This, was, this Mother's Day is going to be the best ever. My expectation. And then it wouldn't go like it was in my head. Remember, it's all in my head. And it didn't go that way. And so I'm like, I'm an awful mother. <laughs> Whatever. Nobody cares. So it's like God said to me, you know, that's, there's a weakness there that you tend to look at things that maybe aren't the strengths and you see all the things that go wrong. So I want you to turn that around with your kids. And so this Mother's Day, I want you to, I want you to actually tell your kids why you're glad you're their mother or they're your child instead of hearing from them why, you know, why they're glad you're their mother. So I took with each, each, with each of my kids and I wrote down what I felt God was saying to each of my kids. And so our daughter, she lives in Portland. We were living in North Carolina at the time. So I called her on the phone, and I said, I, this is why I'm glad I'm your mom, and I'm glad you're my kid. And I began to speak into her life what I saw, even though it may not be showing right now. This is what I see, and this is who God made you to be. And then I went to uh, our three sons were there at the time, so they all gathered around, and our daughter-in-law was there. And I said, this is what I see in you, and I'm so glad that I'm your mom. That was the best Mother's Day I actually had. I didn't care if they gave me anything or not. I know my kids love me. It just, it, that was the best one because I had taken something and turned it around and taken a weakness and God said, this is how I want you to live like you trust me. I want you to begin to partner with me what I see. And I want you to begin to speak that into them. And I haven't always done that. Some Mother's Day, I've been not the best mother. So please know, every time I share something, it's not, it's been a whole lifetime of things. And the last part of this, and I, this is, I'm done. In chapter 2 of First Samuel, verses 1 and 2, she not only had trusted God for the promise, she not only trusted God with the promise, she now gave thanks and worshipped him. Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts and triumphs in the Lord. My horn, or my strength, horn meant, was a symbol of strength. My strength is lifted up in the Lord. My mouth is no longer silent, for it is opened wide over my enemies, because I rejoice in your salvation. 
There is none holy like the Lord. There is none beside you. There is no rock like our God. Her strength was lifted up, and her enemy, while her strength is being lifted up, saw God's provision and care. And she chose to give thanks. Notice in here that she says, now remember the first time she was in there praying. Mouth moving, no words, silent. My mouth is no longer silent for it is opened wide over my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. Let's turn over to Psalm 27, 4 real quick, 4 through 6. One thing I have desired, one thing I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold and gaze upon his beauty, to meditate and consider him. For in the days of trouble, he will hide me in a shelter. In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. He will set me high upon a rock. I will be seen by the enemy, but I will be hidden in him. That was my version part. And now shall my head be lifted up above my enemies round about me. In his tent, I will offer sacrifices and shouting of joy. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. And so she began to no longer be silent. She began to open her mouth wide. She comes back into that same temple, that same place, the same priest, and begins to now sing out and speak out. I thank you, God, for who you are. I thank you, God, that you have provided me with this. I thank you that I could trust you for it. I thank you that I trust you with it. I thank you, God, because you have lifted up my strength. You have lifted up my countenance. I lift up my head to you. I strongly encourage you, especially when we're here in church. It's a good place to do it. It doesn't have to be just in praise and worship either, that you speak out of your mouth who God is and you begin to give thanks even in the midst of, okay, so listen to this. So she's had this little boy in her house now for three or four years and she's now giving him, I mean giving him, She just comes to visit him maybe twice a year. She brings him new clothes and a coat. So in the midst of, it could be, yeah, you gave me this and sure. Well, you know, I'm I'm sure she had emotions. I mean, miss my kid. But she, in the middle of that, worshiped and gave thanks. I'm giving you this promise. I'm giving you. And I'm trusting you with this. I'm trusting you with this healing that I don't see yet. I'm trusting you with this marriage. I'm trusting you with all of these pieces of my life and my job. I'm trusting you and I'm saying thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We just say thank you. We just say thank you. Actually, I know this is a little out of the box. And I know sometimes this is weird. But I actually want you to begin to do that right now. Just close your eyes for a minute. And the only reason I want you to close your eyes is you don't get distracted. And I want you to go from your mind into your heart. And I want you to begin right now to think of who God is, of what he has done for you. And I want you to actually begin to speak it out. And I know it can be weird because you're like, what's the person next to me going to think? But it doesn't matter. I want you to begin to say, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you in the midst of my sickness that you are good. And I want you to begin to, our mouth is no longer silent. Our mouth is open wide saying, God, you are good. You are good in the midst to this. You are good in what seems like barrenness and what seems like loss all the time. You are good. You are a life giving God. And so begin to thank him right now. Let it come out of your mouth. Let it come out of your heart. Let it come out of your spirit. God, you are so good. And we worship you because you are such a good God. And we give you thanks. Thank you for lifting me up. Thank you for lifting my head up. Thank you for lifting my face. Thank you for lifting my strength. Thank you for making me strong. Thank you for teaching. Thank you for teaching me how to trust when I don't know what it looks like. Thank you, God, that your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I thank you, God, that you are an amazing, awesome, mighty warrior, mighty God, mighty to save and to heal. Thank you, Father. Thank you for who you are. Do that in your house. Do that in your job. 
depending on, I mean, don't, don't, you know what I mean? Do it the way you need to do it at your job. But don't be afraid to open your mouth wide and not be silent anymore in the middle of it. She focused on the giver. She focused on his purity, his power, his wisdom, his justice. She did not focus on what she had been given. Because when we focus on the giver, it keeps our hearts set on him. Colossians 3, 2 talks about that. And we remember the reality of who he is and where our source actually comes from. When we focus on the giver, we recognize this is where my source comes from. It does not come from anywhere else. Otherwise, if we focus on the gift and we dote on the gift and we give all our time and energy to that gift and we even begin to worship the gift, that's what happens. Then we're like, well, I can't give this to you. This is mine now because you gave it to me. I mean, it's really what happens in our hearts and our minds sometimes, especially when it comes to kids. Are you sure that You're going to take care of this one? Always focus on the giver. God blessed Hannah. When you read in verses 20 and 21, he blessed her with five more children. This was after she'd gone through all this. This was after she had worshipped. This was after she had thanked him. Because of Hannah's ability to trust God for something, because of Hannah's ability to trust God with something, And because she gave thanks and she worshiped and she surrendered, she became the mother of a priest and a prophet. The promise, the gift prospered. And that promise and that gift then became the voice to declare God's word and who he is. That promise brought glory and honor to God because she brought glory and honor to God through her trust. So if we can just see it in our heart that way, that when I focus on who you are and I have relationship with you, Jesus, no matter what is happening in my life or what isn't happening, when I focus on you as my giver, when I can sing, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, I trust you over and over and over. I trust you. You know, it's kind of like our youngest son is 16. He just got his driver's license two weeks ago. Fourth kid to go through a driver's license, okay? So what you have to do as a parent, you would think that by the fourth one, I'd be like, yeah, whatever. I continue to have to trust to let that one go. Trust. Sure, you can take my car all the way there, all the way by yourself. Sure, you can do that. I have to continue to trust over and over and over for four through four cycles of that now have had to continue to release. Same way with God. There are pieces of our life that we may, it's not that we're repeating something because we messed up. It's we're repeating things sometime in our life because there's a depth that he wants to take us to. And so now we go through this same thing again, but it's on a different reason, a different way, because he's saying there's something in you, those trials and tribulations that come, they're not just there. You know, my husband and I were praying the other day. We thank you God for the trials and tribulations because they aren't only there to break stuff in us, but they're there to strengthen stuff in us. So, God, we just thank you. We just thank you for who you are. And we focus on you, the giver of all good things. Your word says in James that you, every good and perfect gift comes from you. And we focus on who you are. And we give our praise and our thanks to you all the time. And I just declare over this body that they will be a people of thanks, a people of worship, a people of surrender, a people of trust. That anything that they face this coming week, this coming month, this coming year, anything that comes at them, that they know that it does not have any power to harm them because you have deprived it of the power to destroy them. 
because their trust is in you. You give perfect peace to them because their mind is fixed on you. Their eyes are fixed on you. And because of that, you will lift their head above their enemies and they will sing and they will shout for joy in the midst of everything that comes their way. In the midst of what seems like death, you are with them. I thank you, Father, and I release the spirit of trust and surrender and submission to your heart to them and over them. I release that into their hearts. Give them spiritual ears and eyes to see and to hear what you are doing. Give them the heart to be able to receive it and the grace this week to walk through it. Because they can know then that what they give to you, the gift that's in them, the gift that you've given to them, will bring honor and glory to you as they bring honor and glory to you by the way they trust you. Because that's our heart. Bottom line that we want is we want our lives, we want our families' lives, we want those around us to honor you and glorify you in everything, to be a voice. Thank you, God, for those that are moms in here. Thank you that their kids will be a voice for you, God. They will bring honor and glory to you in the way that they live. I speak that over their children. I speak life and restoration and redemption over their children. I speak wisdom over their children. In the name of Jesus, amen.